I think we have to understand that we are living in the Anthropoceno, trying to convince people, like everyone, that forest, it's, it pays us a strong ecosystem service and they have to reserve. Listening to Amplifier, raising voices against rising temperatures. We're a group of Emory students, alumni, and a professor passionate about bringing people together around the current climate crisis. We aim to equip listeners to accelerate climate action by providing accessible information, amplifying diverse voices, and highlighting the intersections of environmental issues. Join us this season as we explore the relationship between the climate crisis and COVID-19. Hi, I'm Shirley Ma. Today we'll be discussing the relationships between COVID-19, deforestation, and infectious diseases. We've all heard about the alarming rates of deforestation happening around the world, but what you might not know is that deforestation puts us at risk of disease transfer called zoonotic spillover from wildlife. Joining us today to discuss this issue is Dr. Alessandra Nava, a scientist at Fiocruz Amazonia in Manaus, Brazil, whose research focuses on infectious diseases caused by anthropogenic activity, including deforestation and land use change. so many causes of deforestation, agriculture, illegal logging, mining, and climate change, to name a few. How can we decrease a community's reliance on its natural environment? I think we, we need always to, to try to understand human behavior in these areas close to forests and, and understand their, their cultural actions and but what we, uh, what we see, particularly in Brazil, the high deforestation, the deforestation that really impacts for disease emergence or impacts conservation. It's from people that really, farmers that have like big, huge farms, people that it's already rich. So it's, it's not accurate when someone says, oh, okay, they are cutting the trees because they have to feed the. They have to plant manioc for the family. No, they they are trying. They are just deforestation because they want more lands to get more rich and more rich. So it's very difficult to deal to deal with because you are dealing with rich, rich people, very powerful, and people that just you know they are actually they are the bosses of our president or of our politicians. So it's really. Uh, difficult and about mining 
mining is one of the actions that are more harmful for the environment and social as well. Because when you have the mining and they are pushing really hard to start mining in, in the middle of Amazon. We have illegal mining, but we, it's, it's forbidden to have, you know, mining somewhere else in Amazon. But they are pushing really hard to, to start to, and it's gonna be like a, a tragedy, a social, social tragedy as well. And it's gonna be like a, a perfect trigger for another emerging disease. Also, the minor, miners, okay, they can bring diseases to naive people in the forest, to indigenous people, and it's, it's gonna be a mess. So I hope it, it doesn't happen. So it's, it's, it's a really, how can I say, challenging thing to, to deal with, trying to convince the community, trying to, to make people understand that, that it doesn't work to, to put the forest down to uh, acknowledge you know, five or seven people that are, are very rich. And, and a lot of people just realize in Brazil and I believe in other countries that the forest it, it worth a lot of money, the forest per se. So we don't need to, to cut the forest. It's like a, it's an old mentality. It's not just rich people doing the deforestation though. There are also people who depended on the forest for their livelihood. Yes, of course. Uh, what I mean is if we are going to measure the impact of this, I think the impact of the, the person that is, you have you know, the small village, settlements is not com just not compared with people that you know just drop like hectares 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 and when you have traditional knowledge people that are they live in the area for years they deal better with the forest in a way they live in a more balanced way and but in some, some countries, it might be a problem. But I think in Brazil, our, the problem is the ruralistas. I think that's, that's the really big problem when you have like huge farms and they just do what they want with the forest. From my understanding, as more and more trees are being cut down in rainforests, people are getting exposed to more wildlife, which has resulted in diseases being transferred from these animals to humans. Can you elaborate a bit more on this process and how this happens? The process is not so simple. Uh, of course, if you have wildlife in more uh, contact with human people and domestic animals, you can have more chance for spillover and for some unknown disease to spread. But actually, the triggers and the way uh, this emergence of diseases uh, come from these natural environments, they are not really um, totally discovery. So what the scientists, what we, we think it happens is we have in the forest, we have reservoirs, hosts, competent hosts. So we have um, a natural cycle of diseases. So you, ha you have the virus, bacteria in a natural ecology distribution and when you cut forests and when you fragment a forest or when you turn like a, a pristine forest in a, another thing like a I don't know like a pasture a soil plantation you are breaking this chain you know among between 
uh, horses and the reservoirs and then this, this natural uh, ecology of this disease. So when you alter these animals, you have more, you have species that are more sensitive to fragmentation than others. So when you have a species, mammal or, a, or bird species that they disappear in a forest due to fragmentation or deforestation or burn, like it's, it's happening in my country right now, you have all this alteration of disease patterns. And then you can have like a, a risk of spillover. So responding your question, it's not just about cutting trees and putting wildlife in contact with people. It's, I think it's more, you are breaking the natural cycle of, of diseases in the forest. And I'm really glad you pointed out the breaking natural cycles because without human intervention, these diseases, these viruses naturally exist in the environment, but they wouldn't affect the animals that live there already. Yes, yes. And I think we can think it's another important service that the forest give to us, like ecosystem service. And can you talk a little more about the spillover? Like, how exactly does this happen? Of course, it's different with every case and every disease. Well, that's the question that, you know, everyone wants to respond. Do we have hypotheses for this? One, it's time of contact. If you have different animal species, that they are not in a natural uh, environment, they, in natural conditions, they will never stay like in close contact. That's what happened in Wuhan markets. So you have different species that they don't live close, close contact in the forest. Maybe they are from different continents. So you are putting these, these species in contact and they are sharing blood, feces and virus, bacteria. So we are um, making a perfect situation for virus mutation, for making like a bacteria stronger. And it's, it's one of the hypotheses for uh, this, this explorer. And so as we're increasing deforestation, we're increasing habitat fragmentation, we have more forest edges, and this is sort of giving us greater opportunity to come in contact with these diseases. Yes, because this is like a, a package, you know. Uh, when you have like a deforestation, you are more in contact with animals, you break cycles, so you have this imbalance of the species. And also when you have the deforestation or when the deforestation starts, it starts for a reason. When the deforestation, deforestation is, is made for, of people and these people come to this, the forest and they start to, to cut trees or whatever, like burning the forest, but they also they hunt. They came in contact with wildlife. So this is also a way for a spillover. People in contact with wildlife, manipulating, dealing with carcass, blood. So that's, that's another way for us. I saw an article in which you were featured online talking about your research and you found less viral diversity in pristine areas compared to anthropogenic areas. Why might this be and where does this leave us as deforestation continues every year? Well, these, we were about to publish this paper, I think, hope this, this month. And we were doing this survey in Atlantic Forest in Brazil. So we were serving this pristine area and in this very, uh, in this area with very uh, anthropic pressure. So what we, what we think that these results might say to us is that when you have like a, a area where we have 
a high drop pressure, many different kind of domestic animals and people um, living in high density, you have more diversity of viruses and, and more prevalence as well in bats with virus. So that was the difference, the main difference that we, we know between Christian areas, the bats in Christian areas. So it, it shows us another time that when you have deforestation, when you have like people approaching these pristine areas, and in this place it was a pristine area like for 50 years ago in Brazil, it was like a beautiful area. And you have this chance of spillover. So we, maybe we, we are seeing in this area like the tick of the iceberg for something that is going to happen in 10 years. So the bats with more viral diversity in anthropogenic areas, could this be close contact with humans and livestock and we're infecting them and then they in turn infect us? Yes, yeah, we, we believe that. We believe that, that it can make, it can allow virus mutation as well. So they can they keep like shifting virus between them. And it's a, it's a, perfect situation for virus mutation. What was your reaction when you first heard of COVID-19? From your research, did you expect an outbreak like this or something similar? Well, it was something like, okay, it's here. It, it just arrived. Because we were actually, in my background, I'm a veterinarian. So when I finished my graduation, I started to work with conservation medicine. So we were measuring impacts of disease in wildlife, disease from domestic animals to wildlife. And then we start to also get this concern about zoonotic diseases and amplify or the way we were dealing and the way we were in a more holistic approach. So the One Health concept starts to, to grow actually along with conservation medicine. And then I made part of a program from USAID, a prediction program. So I was, I was leading the research in Brazil from PREDICT. So we were actually looking for the new virus. So we did this for like six years, seven years, and we found many coronavirus, different coronavirus and other family uh, virus. And we were keep digging, 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 and sampling monkeys, bats, and rodents. So we were expecting, we were uh, actually with this project, we were trying to be one step ahead of a new emergence. So I, I, I was kind of expecting that happens, but not, I have to be honest that I didn't, I didn't thought that, I didn't imagine that a, a virus so infective with this, you know, high, infectivity, you, you come like, like this, because COVID-19, all the problem regarding this virus is the infectivity, because it's not so lethal, don't kill like a lot of people, kill, but not like everyone, <laughs> but it has like a high morbidity. So that's the kind of virus that is very difficult to deal with. Since the start of the pandemic, there have been reports of increased logging in Brazil and many other countries, including Colombia, Indonesia, Nepal, and Madagascar. Part of this is due to decreased government regulation and increased social unrest. In Brazil, the Amazon faces devastating fires in the midst of a severe drought. 
coupled with an administration that has weakened or rolled back many of the regulations protecting the Amazon, Brazil continues to see increasing rates of deforestation. Here's what Dr. Nava had to say about the effects COVID has had on deforestation in Brazil. Unfortunately, I think I think you have maybe you have the same problem in the U.S. But our governments they don't I don't know if they don't they don't believe in science or if actually the money it's it's so so important for them like more than everything they they just disregard in science they, they believe but they don't want to talk about it they don't want to take a, a attention and now in Brazil we are dealing with I think it's one of the worst moments in my country in the last I don't know 30 40 years for the environment we have a president a, a, a environment minister they don't care about the environment and they don't have any clue they don't they do they don't do any connection about emerging diseases with deforestation so it's really hard to to try to convince and i don't think they will stop deforestation because it's like a, we have a, a chance or it's very it's very likely to have a, that we, we we are going to have a, a new emergent zoonotic virus here in Brazil the way we are uh, speeding with deforestation in Pantanal and Amazonia is there anything we can do about this or is this just something we're going to have to accept biodiversity is going to increase or continuing to de- cut down trees i think we have to understand that we are living in the Anthropoceno. We are, we are in a new geological. So I think everything is, it is it's happening, it's very predictable. We were expecting that. Now what we have to do and urgent is trying to convince people, like everyone, that forest, is, it pays us a strong ecosystem service. They have to reserve and about domestic animals in these areas, in, in these areas in particular that we were serving. And we need to be sure that we need to stay close in this area, serving and, and see what is happening, what, it's, what kind of virus are circulating. That is really important. Active surveillance is really important. I think in all places in the world that we expect some kind of spillover. In your opinion, what can we do to prevent the next outbreak or at least stop it from being as bad or as worse than COVID? That's a very complex question because uh, we, ha- we can do a lot of things, but it, it requires different kind of efforts. One that I think it's really important is if like regular people, not just uh, students that like you and me that work with a, a environmental cause or health diseases or climate change like regular people they have to start to care or, or, or make this connection about our own health and about deforestation and the lack of the forest but it needs basic education I guess so we have this one of the access for this. Another one is stop deforestation like right now. We need to protect our forests and regreening 
as Tom, Tom Lovejoy always says, regreening, because we, we have to do this urgent, uh, even for to stop climate change as well. So it's, it's regreening. We have to stop deforestation and also basic research. We have to go to the forest, sampling bats, sampling rodents, sampling primates, sampling the sentinel species that can, can show us easily which kind of pathogens are circulating. So we can, we can stay one step ahead actually to another uh, emergence. But I think the most urgent is stop deforestation for sure. And this sort of ties into my next question. What can we do to sustainably get more productivity per acre while minimizing the risk of disease spillover? So is there anything we can do to sort of continue deforestation, not at this alarming rate, but still minimizing zoonotic spillover? Or is it just stop deforestation altogether? I think we reach a, a level that we have to just stop deforestation and we have to, because we are just, the, the um, human population in the world is increasing. We are getting more contact with wildlife, with, with forests, and, and the deforestation process, and the fragmentation process, as I, as I told you before, alter all this process. So I think we, we can just, okay, let's, let's try like a little, little bit here, a little bit here, and it's okay. No, we, I think we, we need to stop and I, I need to, we, we need to rethink the way we, we deal with forests, the way we deal with uh, consumption, the way we, we buy things, the things we buy, the things we, we eat, that's allowing, that's it's helping deforestation to go faster and faster and chaotic. For those of us not living in a country directly impacted by deforestation, this can seem like a remote issue. What's something you want people outside of Brazil to know about deforestation and its impacts? Well, I think um, the deforestation impacts, like right now, just to give, to give you like a picture of what is happening right now, because it's happening in Amazonia and Pantanal. We, we never had so the tax of deforestation never were so high in Brazil, like it's happening, it's happening right now. Um, and it's, it's basically due to, to cattle, to, to pasture. So I think we have, if we really think about, you know, having the forest stop deforestation and, and also the risk for, you know, emerging disease, we, we, we need to rethink about eating meat, that's, that's for sure. It, it seems like something of it's, it's possible. I, I don't think it is. I think we have to review the way we, we buy, the way we, from the, the counters we buy, I think Brazil is going to experience some, um, some countries, I think some European countries, I don't know about US, but they are going to, they are already stopping buying some products from Brazil because the deforestation process. So it's really serious. And some farmers, they are not happy about it. They, they don't want the deforestation process. When I say farmers, they, they are not so, they are not, it's not everyone that wants to cut the forest. And some people, they, they know that it's, it's gonna give more harm than good. And that's true. So I think we have to rethink the way we, we buy things that we have to stop 
bye, 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 and soft to eat meat. That's for sure. And this sort of ties into my next question. What role do we as consumers play in deforestation? What can we do to lessen our impact on deforestation? So you already mentioned uh, paying attention to what we buy and eating less meat. Is there other things we can do? I think pay attention on the brands as well. Uh, the brands that uh, are buying prog products from uh, the forest from products that are from farms or from industries that helping on this process and if we we have this knowledge and we we will all apply for this we are very strong we have the numbers so we can change this process it seems like a topic but i think it's feasible if we we fight for this it's feasible can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now yes uh, so i'm based in amazon I live in Manaus. I work for Fiocruz, Amazonia. Uh, Fiocruz is uh, a Fundação Oswaldo Cruz. We are, um, we, are, we are part of the Health Minister of Brazil, but we are the science part, so we do science. So my line of research is trying to understand the pattern of diseases, not just virus, but all kinds of bacteria, parasites comparing areas with different anthropic pressure. So we sample, we sample animals in pristine areas, anthropic areas, in urbanized areas. So we have this amazing partnership with IBAMA, which is like a federal regulation organ in Brazil. And they have this CETAS, which is a rehabilitation center with all animals from all parts of Brazilian Amazon come to this place when they are hit by a car or something bad happened or when or when someone like because they have this cultural thing here to get like a monkey like as a pet and the monkey got very crazy and they <laughs> doesn't want anymore and they just they sent to the set so it's a place where uh, where you have access to a huge diversity of Amazon wildlife. So we sample these animals and we can measure also thinking that they, they come from different areas, from different histories. So basically we, we try to measure the impact of anthropic pressures in the prevalence of some diseases in wildlife and also in people as well. We have this, it's a, it's a big project. We call One Health Platform, Amazonica One Health Platform in Brazil. And we are setting a biobank, a wildlife biobank. Uh, so because we, the, the information, tissues and blood and everything that you catch from these animals, uh, it's, it's a lot of information, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of samples. We have more than 20 species of primates. It's, it's a lot of data. So the biobank, it's a way that we have to organize systematically all these samples and it allows another, other scientists to work with the samples as well. So, and also our goal is to have this biobank connected with other biobanks in the world. So we, can, we, we, want, we want to become like our official biobank, but, but now we are, it's baby steps. We, are, we can do like a lot of things because all these political implications that I told you.
thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. To learn more about Dr. Nava and her work, head to amazonia.fiocruz.br or check out the links in our description below. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. You can learn more about us on our website and YouTube channel, Emory Climate Talks. Join us next episode as we explore the intersections between climate change, COVID-19, and public health. Meg Withers and Lauren Ballatin will speak with a community activist about the disproportionate health impacts of COVID and climate change. And they'll have a discussion with a public health expert about the impacts climate change could have on disease spread. This week's episode was reported and produced by Shirley Ma and Caitlin Boisvert. The music was provided by Zola Berger-Schmitz and the graphics by Tyler Stern.